BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are. What's good, y'all? This is Breeze Bruin from the Mighty Juggernauts. And make sure you subscribe and download the podcast. Library Rap, the hip-hop interviews with Tim Kell, Hip-hop journalism on the highest level. Yeah, what's up? It's your boy Joel Ortiz. And I want everybody to make sure that they subscribe and download the podcast, Library Rap, the hip-hop interviews with Tim Einenko. Yo, Tim, I hope all is well. You my guy. I know these interviews are not interviews. They're actually conversations, and I appreciate them all. Yawa. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ice-T. I want you to do something for me. Make sure you download and subscribe Library Rap, the hip-hop interviews with Tim Cal. It is old fucking official. Alright? Stop playing. Download and subscribe. Library Rap. The hip-hop interviews with Tim Cal. It's cold. Iconic MC, one of the original members of the Flavor Unit, has influenced so many. He's Joe Rob G, and I want to welcome him to allhiphop.com presents the library with Tim Monaco. Thank you so much for being here. It's an honor, man. Hey, thank you, Tim. So, uh, Rob, we first met many moons ago. Uh, I met you at SOBs in New York, and I was doing an RA The Rugged Man show. Yeah. Uh, this is the first time I saw you live. Uh, RA invited you on the stage. You got up on the stage. You killed it. The crowd loved it. Um, and it was just kind of blew me away at the time. Uh, so I have to ask, take me back to when you were a kid. What attracted you to music in general? But then what also attracted you to this art form we now know today as hip hop and you know rap music? And then also, what? how have you continued to develop yourself in that live performance? So when I was a kid, I was raised by my grandparents and they were uh, from the South, from South Carolina. And a lot of the musical influence in the house was gospel music. And, you know, also when I was a kid, they used to drag me to church with them on Sundays and sometimes Fridays and sometimes too. I was in church a lot. So when you're in church and you're a kid and, you know, it's like that type of vibe, uh, Pentecostal, it's a lot of live instruments playing. It's a lot of, uh, you know, shouting and dancing and people sleep on how funky that can get because the organ player and the drummer, these are young people in their twenties and whatever's funky at the time, they, you know, they start to riff on that even with the gospel. And so it's kind of dope. And yeah, that was, that kind of like opened me up to music, so to speak. And, um, you know, I got older and as a teenager, you know, I think hip hop began to get popular at the exact right time for me because, you know, it's, it's like a rebellious type of music and I'm a teenager and that's 
that's natural. That's what goes on with teenagers. You begin to start to express yourself in all kinds of uh, different ways. And for me, that, you know, hip hop was it. So I got down with the culture, you know what I mean? I was, uh, you know, it wasn't even rapping at the time. It wasn't necessarily called rapping. We were just trying to, you know, rhyme. We were just trying to make up rhymes. And, um, you know, I heard King Tim the Third one day on a bus stop and, you know, really bugged me out. After that, I heard, uh, you know, Rap is the Light, which people think is the first rap record. But, you know, it's all good. And, you know, it just, I wanted to rhyme after that. I wanted to do my own records. You know what I'm saying? And uh, me and my friends, you know, we was all in the same vibe. And, you know, I was kind of adventurous. So being from Jersey City, we used to hop on a train, go up to Harlem, because that was the spot to be. Because at that time, Harlem had uh, a spot called Harlem World, which was a club. Mm -hmm. And we was too young to get in, but we still was like out there late night, watching the crowds, watching the people move. You know what I mean? We, you know, we just wanted to be around it. And um, yeah, it just stayed with me, man. You know what I mean? Until I, I kept rhyming. It was a way to get attention. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, you know, the girls used to like to hear, you know, the, the rapper, you could get on and, and you could do your thing. And, and you know, I pick up a couple of phone numbers. You know, that type of thing. And uh, yeah, man, just stayed with it until I fell ass backwards into a deal with Wild Pitch Records. Didn't even mean to do that. I, I want to talk about Wild Pitch a little uh, later, but uh, I always, you know, you hear the name Chirab G and, 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 and it's such a great, such a great name. And I always wondered, where did it come from? Because you have like, because <laughs> lyrically, you listen to your music, you're like, he's definitely, I mean, he's, he's not chill at all, uh, you know, but but you know, or he's, or is maybe the friend be like, chill, Rob G. You know, or is it a? That's it right like there. That? Tell me, you, so put the, yeah. you hit the nail on the head. It's not, it's not because I'm chill. Chill, Rob G. Is a request. Mm, nice. You understand? Chill, Rob G. And no, is my answer. You can hear me rhyming. <laughs> so that's how chill, Rob G. Came about. But no, seriously, <laughs> uh, I, I went through a lot of different names as a kid. Like I, I used to call myself Killer B. Shout out to Wu-Tang. But I used to call myself Killer B way back in the day. That was probably my first name. Because, you know, as Robert, your nickname is Bobby. So everybody called me Bobby. So I had two variations of Bobby. It was Bobby G, uh, Bobby J from Jazzy. It was all kind of different things. And um, when we were taking my little acetate up to Red Alert, acetate, for y'all who don't know, is a record. It's a disc which is not going to last very long. It's going to warp. It's going to fade. It's not going to be, it's going to be useless, but you could burn your music onto this thing and hand it to a DJ. So this was my first demo. We're taking this acetate up to red alert, hoping he'll play it. And when we were in the uh, radio station, 45 King asked me, so what name are you going to tell red alert? Are you going to tell him Bobby G? And I thought about it. And, you know, I'm thinking now I'm about to name myself for all eternity for the world <laughs> and the universe beyond. So let me come up with something kind of dope. And the best I could do was chill Rob G. Because I didn't want to be cool. There was enough cool rappers. So I said, chill. <laughs> That's dope. Um, That's how that came out. So was this, uh, taking this tape to, uh, your demo tape, was this uh, prior to anything solo? Or was this uh, prior, even prior to the, the Flavor Unit uh, coming together? Um to kind of take us back to when exactly this this all occurred. Um, we got this thing together. We weren't quite the flavor unit yet. When I met the group that became the flavor unit, I had already known Apache and Lati, 
right? These are brothers. And I knew them from high school. We all went to high school together in Jersey City. So they had moved from Jersey City to like the next town over, which is Irvington, New Jersey. Got across the bridge to get to it. They moved to Irvington. And uh, I ran into them, you know, just running the streets as I did. And um, Lati was the one who said, yo, man, you need to come with us to this kid house, 45 King, got a lot of tracks. He's doing a lot of music. Come through because, you know, you know, we rap. Because anytime there was a block party, basement party, any place where they had a live mic and they might hand it to somebody, I tried to make sure I was there so they might hand me that mic. And they did. So, you know, Lati knew, I, everybody knew I rapped in Jersey City. It's a small town. Everybody knew I could rhyme back then. And um, yeah, so they, they invited me over to the 45 King's house. And when I got there, uh, you know, we had a little freestyle session. Me, Lati, Apache was there. You know, a lot of drinks, a lot of weed going, a lot of rhyme spitting. A couple of faces that I didn't know, which was Latifa and uh, this dude named Ramsey, who, who was the, he had a crew called Ram Enterprise Entertainment, whatever he called it, right? And uh, Ramsey's idea was he wanted to do fashion shows and, uh, you know, block parties, whatever events he could do, and he wanted to be able to provide entertainment. So the rappers that we were part of that, and um, it was a bunch of us. So that's how we became the Flavio. We went from Ram, Ram Enterprises to the Flavio. Uh, you know, so uh, prior to the interview, I, uh, I, 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 I reached out. I reached out to DMC to ask him, and I asked him if somebody asked you why is Chill Rob G important in hip hop culture, what would you say? And he DMC wrote back, who? the rapper. D- yeah, the rapper. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, and he wrote back. He said, "Quote: He is an OG hip hop artist from New Jersey. He can detail the scene of hip hop from New Jersey before the dominant rise of the likes of Lords of the Underground, Naughty, Naughty Latifah, et cetera, et cetera." Uh, it's important to get his perspective of what hip hop was like, uh, especially New Jersey hip hop at this time and not just New York, the Mecca of hip hop. Uh, so can you do that? Can you detail a little more detail of what New Jersey hip hop scene was like prior to the rise of the groups? Oh, I mentioned. We were, there was some of us who was listening. Jersey is known for house music and club music, uh, especially back then. Uh, and that's mostly what was popping. And I remember distinctly going to a club that we had out here in Newark called Sensations. And um, Sensations was an odd type of spot where they had, everything was going on in this building. You go in Sensations, there's a room playing with, with, they got a movie on the screen. And there's like a bunch of people in there watching a movie. Loud ass music bouncing off the walls right outside the hallway because there's club music playing in this spot and there's a dance floor people are dancing walk down the hall a little bit and there's reggae playing right loud as hell walk down the hall a little bit more and there's hip-hop playing but you know that room wasn't that crowded because like i said it was house music you know we had zanzibar popping off and all kinds of other club and house spots i know i'm not main, naming the main ones especially in new york but that's what it was so i had this radio which is similar to the radio that Cool J had on his album cover. Fucking loud, right? And I, th- I had this thing right outside Sensations after the club was over. And uh, it was Kara's One's album had just been released. And I'm blasting this fucking thing. And we stayed out there for like an hour after the club was over. And the crowd that was leaving the club stayed right where they were. Because I was bouncing this record. You know what I mean? I'm blasting this record. And they're not moving. They listening. So... 
hip hop. I, I, I didn't start. I didn't start hip hop in Jersey, but <laughs> I had that crowd. But Cat is what I had that crowd right there, and you know, gradually, just more people started to pick up. You know what I mean? Started to pick up on it. I uh, know. We, okay. let, let me just say this. Sorry. Uh, I was really excited to find out that Hassan and Seven Eleven was from Jersey. That was the first rap crew that I ever heard of. They had a record called uh, In the City, I think it was. And them being from Jersey, you know, every little thing just gives you a little bit more encouragement. So, yeah, I was, I was really hyped to find out that they was from Jersey. Uh, you know, uh, if you think about, uh, okay, of course, Bronx, New York is, you know, the birthplace of hip hop. But then, if you know, no one, can ar- one can argue that uh, the birthplace of the business side of hip hop was New Jersey with the Robinsons and, and, you know, Sugar Hill Records because they were obviously from New Jersey. Um, one do you do would you say would you agree with that 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 argument i guess to say and also to having the first record you know printed i guess uh from a new jersey label so to say how did that uh help uh new jersey artists in terms of going into new york or even getting played on new york radio uh or maybe even more of an acceptance to uh in, in hip hop because because these this record was being was printed in New Jersey. I mean, uh, you know, I don't know if it really helped, man. It, uh, unpopular answer is, you know, Mr. Magic was like a little re- reluctant to to outside of New York rap. When when Magic had to play my record one night, I was listening to the radio, and he definitely said under his breath, "Jersey rappers." You know, and he said it like he was <laughs> exasperated, wasn't that thrilled, but he had to play that record because the record was kind of, you know, it was kind of hot for back then. And, you know, God bless Mr. Magic. You know what I mean? He, he, was, he was a great dude. I met him in person. I actually went into the rap contest that they used to uh, host in Queens, and I didn't win, but they took my number and all of that because they saw that I was trying to really do it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I got no problems with that. Uh, you referenced, though, you know, your demo with Wild Pitch Records, uh, a little earlier and I want to ask you about you know your uh, Ride the Rhythm was you know you released it under them uh, li- artists that were with them at the time and I'm probably na- missing some we're getting Starlord Finesse DJ and DJ Mike Smooth um, and others when you when Wild Push first approached you uh, what did you know about them at the time and, and what what was their I guess their more of their importance or something uh, in terms of in music at this time Wild Pitch was really nothing when I when I started with them. They had one act, and it was this kid named Lemagne. That was his rap name, for God's sake, Lemagne. And uh, and uh, he had a song called "The Hardest Beat Around," and it was trash. And I, I've said this a hundred times. <laughs> I was listening to this dude because I used to listen to uh, Special K and Teddy. It wasn't Special K and Teddy Ted. It was, uh, I think it was the Hank Love Half Pint radio show in New York. And these these DJs, you know, these guys used to come on late, late, late at night, like on a, on a Wednesday or Thursday night. You're supposed to be asleep. You got to go to school tomorrow. You know what I mean? But I'm up listening to these dudes. And they played this record. And it was such garbage. I knew I could make it. I knew I could make it because this guy got a record. This is trash. So if he got a record, I'm good. All I need to do is get myself in front of an executive. So that really 
boosted my confidence hearing that, you know, this garbage was working. You know what I mean? Like he's on the radio. I, I could do it. So Stu Fine, uh, ironically, Stu Fine owned the label. He was on Wild Pitch Records, this guy. So I, I gave my demo to Red Alert that I talked about earlier. Red Alert played that on live on the air. Stu Fine called Red Alert and asked him who I was. Red Alert passed my number. A couple weeks go by, blah, blah, blah. I'm signing the Wild Pitch. And they dropped Lemagne. So that was weird, man. That's right. weird. But that's how that happened. And yeah, Wild Pitch didn't really have anybody. When I first started with them, I used to meet Stu Fine at his apartment in Manhattan. He had a, he had a very nice apartment, uh, him and his wife. Uh, I guess he's doing better now. And that's, that was the office. So, you know what I mean? They weren't really Wild Pitch yet. They didn't have any acts. They had Lati and myself and that kid that I just mentioned. What were you, uh, I mean, when you, you know, you only dropped one album with them, but what were you hoping to, to get out of this deal from them? Uh, what, what do you think, I guess? You know, 20 years old, signing a record contract, your head is full of all kinds of fantasies of plane trips and, you know, champagne and large houses and fly cars. I didn't know what I was going to get out of this deal with Wild Pitch. I had no idea. Uh, I was going to push and keep pushing. I wasn't focused on what I'm going to get. I was just trying to focus on the lyrics, trying to focus on the rhymes, make sure that I'm doing what I'm supposed to do so that I can get what I'm supposed to get. But when it was time to, you know, add it all up, it didn't add up, man. Like Wild mm-hmm. Pitch wasn't ready to pay nobody. They didn't have it. You know, it was, uh, nah, we couldn't move forward with that. Like, mm-hmm. here's here's the thing. I'm in I'm in a, a restaurant again with Wild Pitch with Stu Fine discussing my second album and he's offering me like a real low number. It's like a McDonald's worker's salary to do a second album. No disrespect to McDonald's workers, but you know, yeah. I'm in hip hop. I'm supposed to be making some money. And on the radio, while we're having this conversation, is my record. And I'm like, how can I this ain't, nah, I'm not going to sign this contract. And, I, you know, I was really offended. And that kind of destroyed our relationship. Like, I couldn't move forward with them. No way. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. 
coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Um, you know, you're, you're obviously the, your single uh, off the album, The Power, right? I mean, your opening lyrics off the bat, I think, are really says a lot and really powerful. You know, don't say this, don't say that, change your lyrics. Um, you know, it, it, it seems like you're it's it's the that 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 those lyrics are the discussion that a lot of artists have today about how the record label is trying to control what they say or you know they can't say this they can't they have to say something else uh, whatever right. thing. Um, so who was that? What, what, what those lyrics? What, who was the, who were those a response to? Uh, I mean, just to go off you know off the bat, you are you know you're having some <laughs> some argument, some disagreement that the listeners are wondering what's going on. Honestly, man, it wasn't really, it was me. You know, when you sit down and write your song, you, you know, um, you're using your imagination. And I just envisioned that eventually somebody would have a problem with something I was saying. And this was my response before you even got a chance. I already had you, here's my response. You know what I mean? So don't say this, don't say that, change your lyrics, everybody's a critic. Right. You know? Uh so you know, I I like to do these interviews because when when a lot of this stuff was happening, I was I was young. I was like admittedly, I was ten years old when the power came out, cool. uh, and to think about New York City radio at the time, obviously we were dealing with Z100, who you know their big thing was they they had a line that goes absolutely no hip hop whatsoever, you know that type of crap uh, that we were dealing with. <laughs> at the time. I remember that as a kid, um, but I was also so. I was they also had to change that, didn't it? They changed that. They, didn't they changed that. They changed it when they realized they could make money off of it. Yeah. Um, and then I was eleven. And then to just further the discussion, I was eleven year old when when Snap dropped their you know power song. Um. So, and and that was the one that was played a lot on the radio. Uh, you know that if as eleven year old it's imprinted in my mind for for some reason or whatnot. So, can you just talk about the how did those remixes of your song? come to be i mean was that like kind of the plan was that a marketing thing or was that just something that was definitely not a marketing plan and just kind of you know went haywire i guess or something like that man i um i wish we had planned that maybe that would have been a good idea if i was in with them but i wasn't in with them it wasn't a marketing plan it was you know, what was rampant was people doing remixes to music. People would do a remix and they would send it into your label and maybe they could get a deal to release the record or maybe they would get to produce some new music or something like that. But with the power, what happened, they did the remix. Some kids in Germany did the remix and um, gave it to a couple of local DJs who played it in clubs and the club people went crazy. And then they got it on the air on the radio uh, without a deal. So this is the remix version of Let the Words Flow, basically. Right. And um, so now Let the Words Flow is doing great things on the radio in Germany as the power. And uh, it's doing so well that Avister Records in Germany or in Europe is called Ariola Records. 
So Arista got a hold of it and released it just like that. So I don't know if who lied to who. I don't know if Arista knew the truth and didn't, you know, didn't care. Uh, but they released the record and now they're selling it and they're pushing it on the radio. They're promoting it in Europe. And this is the power plan, which is basically a remix of Let the Words Flow. And um, it's gotten so popular. I guess they knew that they, obviously somebody knew that they couldn't reach out to the guy who was on the record, myself. Right. They found somebody to go in and lip sync the record. I don't know what, what are you thinking? Am I dead? What are you, I don't know what was going on in their minds, but they just got somebody to go up on stage and lip sync my vocals and do I Got the Power. Right. So now they're promoting the record with shows. Um, I had just gotten off tour with the Jungle Brothers. I had done like a bunch of shows with them, maybe about two, three months in Europe. I'm exaggerating, but two or three weeks in Europe. And um, so they knew my stuff. So they, they were in a club and they saw this guy come out and do my record. They, they saw him do the power. So after that, uh, uh, Africa uh, called me up and he was like, yo, Rob, man, this dude, we just saw this dude on stage performing your song. I actually did a song about this, Tim, so, but anyway. Uh, we just saw this guy performing your song. So, um, yeah, man, you need to get on that. When he first said it, I thought he meant, like, you know, the guy was up there lip-syncing. I thought, no big deal. It was nothing. So what? But he was like, no, man, they remixed your joint, and this guy's out here like it's a brand-new record, and they call themselves, uh, I don't know if he knew the name, but they were calling themselves the snap and they out here and they performing your record like it's them and not you, kid. They like X you out. So I was like, okay, let me find out what's going on. Go up to Wild Pitch. Wild Pitch has the record. They have a copy of the record that I'm talking about with nice, beautiful artwork on it. You know, some dude busting out of his shirt. Oh, I got the power. You know, it was great. And it's a completed product. Like this is what Arista was selling. So the story that they gave me when I went up there was uh, that somebody had left that record anonymously outside the door of the office. So when they got there, that's all they knew. They didn't know who it was. They didn't know what's happening. But nobody knew anything. And um, so we played it. And this is the first time I'm hearing it. We played it in the office. And, you know, you you heard, everybody heard the record. It's kind of bouncy, you know, as I got the power. Right. Blah, blah, blah. So all this stuff that I was doing before that was not that. I was not doing club music like that. I was not doing bouncy party records like that. I had a couple of records that you could dance to, but there wasn't that. And, you know, I wasn't mad at this record. It sounded good. I was like, okay, this is cool. So Stu Fine's idea was, we should release this. We should put this out ourselves, and uh, you know, we'll we won't even call it a remix. We'll just release it as a new song. And I was like, yeah, but what about the record? You know, look at this record. Like, there's a record in your hand, man. So shouldn't we do something about that? Like, you got to sue. Something, something got to happen. But he kind of, you know, brushed that off, and he wanted to move forward with the, you know, let's release this new stuff. And we're back to that. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll take care of it. So I kind of, you know, I'm new in the business. I don't really know what's going on. I'm, 
I'm like this kid. I'm out here by myself, basically dealing with this cat who claimed he had like 15 years in the business at that point. Yeah. All right, cool, cool. Go ahead, Stu. Let, let's release it. So we released the record, and it's a bomb. Kaboom. Thing blew up. Right immediately, I'm getting calls to do shows. My price shot up by five grand. I'm doing shows all over the country. I'm touring everywhere. I'm, I'm, I'm on tour with Public Enemy. I'm, uh, it's beautiful. I'm happy. And all of a sudden, Arista Records was like, nah, this is our creation. We stole this from you, and we're not letting you have it. And so they released the record in the U.S. Also, so now they have it in Europe, and they got it in the U.S. And to put the icing on the cake, the same kid that they had lip syncing, they sent him into the studio to you know, record some new vocals. So now this kid recorded some new vocals and, uh, you know, he did a video. Mm -hmm. So Arison felt like, you know, yeah, we, you know, this is our stuff. I mean, it's incredible, man. So around this time, look, Arista had just gotten over the Milli Vanilli beef, right? This is Arista. This is how they were moving. They didn't care about stealing from anybody. And I was just another anybody to them. So they jacked my joint just like they did the other kid. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics, because that's who we are.